I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the author and the subject of a documentary and the author of 16 books with more on the way. And she is our host each and every week. Uh, Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg. Doc, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. I hope you are too. Uh, I am. And we were just talking a little bit off mic uh, about uh, about the situation going on in Texas. And I know uh, a lot of folks in uh, in other states may not be dealing with this, but um, kind of there. But for the grace of God, go I. And and I think uh, everybody can kind of relate with, uh, with with what you're about to report. And it's uh, it's on school vouchers, um, an interesting subject and, uh, and and some people finding it very disturbing. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, there are two uh clearly distinct sides on this issue here in Texas uh, because, well, I'll get into it in detail, but briefly, it would take money away from public schools, and Texas public schools are underfunded as it is. And so anyway, uh, those who are pro, uh, among those who are pro-voucher are uh, Catholics, and I happen to be one. But at the same time, I'm a public school product, not a religious school, but a Catholic school product. When I started school, I went to a two-room school in a tiny place called Cienega, New Mexico. My parents were the two teachers who reigned supreme over those two rooms. My mother taught the first four grades, and my father taught grades 5 through 12. I began school at age 4, since my mother could find no trustworthy babysitter to mind me all day. So, in a sense, I was a homeschooled person through the fourth grade. Oh, wow. And then went to various schools in Alamogordo, New Mexico, Fort Knox, Kentucky, Portales, New Mexico, San Luis Obispo, California, and Viola, Arkansas. I was an army brat, and we followed my father from post to post until he went overseas in World War II. And then after graduating from high school, I went to my first private school, Park College, Missouri, which is now Park University. That was built and run back back in the, in the 19th century. That is built back then and run uh, up to my time uh, by the Presbyterian Church. And before college level, the idea of a private school had never entered anyone's mind. But all that is ancient history. In any case, I have had experience of all kinds of schools. And I must say that my my public school experience uh, has has uh, formed the person that I am today, uh, and I think they did a very good job. I agree, and I think our listeners will agree as well. <laughs> anyway, right now, <laughs> um, leaving past history behind, um, right now in San Antonio, where I'm living, and elsewhere in Texas. Schools in general are struggling. Both students and funds are lacking. In the 2021-2022 year, the minimum annual teacher salary in Texas with with no experience was $33,600. 
<laughs> you can imagine. Wow. And that was just a couple of years ago. Um, with 10 years of experience, it was uh, all of $45,500. And with, get this, 20 or more years of experience, it was a whopping 54500 Amazing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and here in Texas, uh, life is not as not so cheap that you can get by easily on fifty four thousand five hundred, especially if you've got a family. Uh, experience level significantly influenced teachers' salaries in Texas, and still does. The more years of service, the higher the salary, <laughs> but it hardly makes a difference. It's it's only a few thousand dollars difference after thirty years, twenty years or more of experience. Jeez. So most teachers, uh, most teachers are still earning around forty-five thousand dollars a year, which is a bare bones salary that causes many good instructors to leave the state. So the school districts are funded according to the number of students attending the classes. The amount per student is a percentage of each household's property taxes. And therefore, school districts in wealthy neighborhoods fare much better than those in poorer places. Measures have been taken to remedy the disparity, but the problem has not been solved. Texas, therefore, is rated number 47 out of 51 states in its support of public schools. In other words, under present conditions, our schools and our teachers are underfunded. San Antonio's west side has traditionally been where most Hispanic citizens live. During the Mexican Revolution in the early 20th century, large numbers of Mexican refugees came up here, the 84 miles from the border to San Antonio, and they clustered together on the west side. Their descendants are still largely there, and others coming from Latin America tend to live where there are people, where there are people who speak their language. Overall, their household earnings are at or barely above poverty level. The east side of our fair city is where black people predominate. I haven't, haven't found even a few statistics for the east side, which tells me a lot about our concern for our poorest district. And that means I have no way of speaking about that, so I must limit myself to the west side. The independent school district on the west side is called Edgewood. Our main newspaper, the San Antonio Express News, reports that last August, in a district-wide effort to redesign and save money, improve resources, and create a program for students, a task force of teachers, parents, and residents came up with a recommendation to close eight schools on the west side. Enrollment is falling in the district, and therefore, state revenue calculated on student numbers is waning as well. Various remedies have been proposed, the main one being to move students out of the failing schools and distribute them to more successful schools. Superintendent Eduardo Hernandez recommended that the changes be made next year, which is coming right up. 
since the district will lose 11% of its funding this year because of student loss. And many of the campuses are less than half full. And I'm quoting him. We are running in the red. We had to do a, a deficit budget this year just to give raises and keep up with insurance costs, unquote. And two other districts, Harlandale and South San Antonio, are in similar, are in similar straits. And recommendations to try to help our schools are being voted on, as I write, since early voting is in pro progress with Election Day next Tuesday on November 7th. Agapita Jaramillo, a member of the Edgewood Task Force and who worked for the district for 33 years, says, and I'm quoting her, we are losing money, but it's based on the mere fact that we're losing all these kids. A school voucher program will only make matters worse. She thinks the vote comes too soon. More community input is necessary, and she fears the result if the inadequately debated proposal passes. Last week, a school meeting of more than 100 parents and teachers was held to inform them of the closures in Edgewood and shifting students to different schools. One teacher asked if she and her colleagues needed to start looking for new jobs elsewhere. And why is Edgewood losing students? It has, in fact, lost 1,500 students since the pandemic. A large part of that loss may well be due to the existence of 57 charter schools on the west side. Boy. Yeah. Parents without any boost from the state are choosing to send their kids to technical schools rather than public high schools. They want them to start earning money right away. And they need technical skills in order to do that. And public high schools are not furnishing that. But our state government is working very hard to increase uh, charter, these charter school enrollments. As I speak, our state legislature is in session. Governor Abbott's priority for Texas is to introduce a voucher system so that parents can choose to go to private schools or to choose to send their kids to private schools and get state funding to help them pay for it. The main legislative session failed to pass Abbott's voucher bill. So he called the legislators back for a special session due to end a week from now. A special session runs for 30 days. They have still refused to pass proposed voucher legislation, which is the only thing that they uh, are able to, uh, to consider since a special session uh, by constitutional law, um, the special session must be devoted to what the governor wants them to talk about. Greg Abbott is holding them hostage, insisting that they that they don't pass that if they don't pass a bill to authorize the state to fund a statewide voucher program, he'll call them back for another 30-day special session until they bow to his will. And here is what the Texas Tribune reports in a summary of the entire situation. 
Governor Greg Abbott called for a special lawmaking session last month and said that one of its focuses will be education savings accounts, a voucher-like pro program that would give families state money to pay for their children's private schooling. Abbott's statement said, and I'm quoting, together we will chart a brighter future for all Texas children by empowering parents to choose the best education option for their child, unquote. His agenda, which also included immigration issues and COVID-19 restrictions, that is not to allow COVID shops for Texas school children, did not mention public school funding increases or teacher raises, despite dire teacher shortages across the state and, uh, and schools clamoring uh, because they're financially strapped. The lawmakers came close to passing legislation back in May that would have added billions to public school funding and would have given teachers raises but it got held up amid negotiations over vouchers. Lawmakers are free to file legislation in those areas, but some observers say that Abbott's agenda is specific enough to keep any new public school funding off the table. The state constitution says lawmakers can only pass bills, I just said this, and here it is again, that lawmakers can only pass bills related to the governor's agenda items during special sessions. Worth mentioning again. <laughs> it's, uh, important yeah. point. it's an important point, yes, because people would say, well, why don't they just talk about public schools? Well, they're not allowed to. Yeah. Right. by the Constitution, even, which I think is a strange thing to put in the Constitution. Uh, unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It makes a dictator out of the governor, really. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so a, a political science professor at Rice University named Mark Jones explained that unless, and this is the same point again, unless, and I'm quoting him, unless Governor Abbott puts public education funding on a special session um, call as call a special session call at a future time the legislature cannot pass legislation that would affect public public school funding okay voucher supporters have long sought to establish such a program in the state they believe many Texas families might be open to leaving the state's public education system after voicing disappointment in recent years with how public schools respond to the pandemic and concerns with how they teach children about race, our country's history, and Texas history, and of course, sex. These voices come from the MAGA voters who believe that COVID shots have caused the disease or other ailments and who fear that critical race theory and other woke subjects are being widely taught, whereas they are not. Also, they are busy right now removing books from school and even public libraries that mention race, history, or sex. Insane. Now, the, on the other side, the voucher critics say vouchers would siphon money away from already struggling public schools, and I've already made that point, with Edgewood as the example. 
the Texas Tribune continues describing the status of public schools in Texas in general, and it is precisely what I've already described on the west side of San Antonio. In the end, uh, this is Texas Tribune speaking, in the end, many school districts have paid the price. Many school officials have had to adopt deficit budgets meaning their expenditures outweigh their revenues. And this is exactly what uh, uh, Principal Hernandez was saying. Some school districts have dipped into their savings to offer teachers minimal raises, balance their budgets, or simply keep the lights on. Others are, con are considering closing some of their campuses altogether to save money. And, <clears throat> and this is happening right here. In, in San Antonio. Amazing. Now, the Express News reports on the Catholic attitude. We have a very large Catholic um, constituency here in this city because of the high number. It's about 60% Hispanic here, and most Hispanics are Catholic. And Catholic schools, <clears throat> excuse me, Catholic schools are eager to see a school voucher program enacted. They've seen declining enrollment for years, and the pandemic was especially detrimental. They believe that education savings accounts, the school voucher program being debated by the legislature, would prove and uh, provide families with state money to help pay for private school tuition and other education expenses. The state Senate bill would give families $8,000 annually, while the House bill would give them 75% of the average amount their public school receives in per student funding. And that would amount to about $10,000 annually. A voucher program would give parents the opportunity to choose a religious education regardless of their income level, said Gen Jennifer um, Allman. She's the executive director of the Catholic Con Conference of Bishops, which surprises me very much. This is a parenthesis. Uh, Jennifer Allman is her name, and she is the executive director of the Catholic Conference of Bishops which gives her the authority that uh, many priests do not possess. In other words, a female has made it uh, yeah. <laughs> to a high administrative position in the Catholic hierarchy, which amazes me, I must say. Yeah, amazing. Uh, it, it's progress, and it's a very unique situation, I think, at this point. But maybe it predicts the future, who knows. And parenthesis closed. <laughs> okay, so this conference, the uh, Catholic Conference of Bishops, oversees all 254 Catholic schools in Texas. <clears throat> and Lois Goudreau, who is the head of St. Mary Magdalene Catholic School in Humboldt, Texas, says, and I quote her, we hope that we get a boost from vouchers because enrollment in a lot of our private schools, particularly Catholic schools, has been down over the past few years because people don't have that expendable money and they're not looking to spend what they have on tuition for their students. It is something that the Archdiocese and all of our schools and our organizations have been pushing for, 
unquote. On the average, annual Catholic school tuition in this state is $6,800 for grade school level and $10,400 for high schools. St. Mary's tuition is a mere $6,000. However, a voucher program would give parents the opportunity to choose religious education regardless of their income level, said Jennifer Allman, again, the executive director of the Catholic Con Conference of Bishops, as I've already said. Um, and uh, this, besides taking state support away from public schools, okay, we're back to the general situation now rather than the we're done with the catholics we know yeah. why they want the money because they they do a very good job of instructing their students i must no I doubt must about it say there's no question and they do it very cheaply as well because of course they're underpaying <laughs> their instructors <laughs> are mainly nuns uh, <laughs> so However, um, besides taking state support away from public schools, there's another problem with, with vouchers. Funneling the taxpayer dollars to religious schools raises concerns about the separation of church and state. And this is a universal uh, problem with vouchers, uh, and it's uh, nationwide. This is not just limited to Texas. And the Texas Constitution prohibits using money from the state treasury, and I'm quoting the Constitution, for the benefit of any religious society, theological, or religious seminary. However, in a 2022 religious discrimination case, the United States Supreme Court ruled that tuition assistance programs are, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, or school vouchers must include religious schools if they are available to non-religious private schools. So if the non-religious schools can get it, then the religious schools should too. The ruling was a major win for pro-voucher religious schools and leaders, but opponents say it raises thorny issues when people's tax dollars are sent to religious institutions that have beliefs they don't share. Earlier this month, the government, the governor, who is Catholic, uh, declared a school choice Sunday and joined a handful of religious leaders across denominations to host a virtual town hall in support of vouchers. Eric Gronberg, the Lutheran bishop of the Northern Louisiana Synod, said of the governor, and I'm quoting him, he was trying to encourage pastors to speak in favor of vouchers from the pulpit. And that, from my perspective, is a real crossing of the line. We are called to advocate for justice. Yeah. We are called to advocate for the poor and marginalized. We are called to talk about issues as they arise. <clears throat> but this is clearly a very partisan issue and something that is very near and dear to the governor's heart, unquote. Mm. Okay, so that's the, um, that's the state separated from, its, from religion, which is one of the very basic things in our uh, in our national constitution. So, That's why we're here. Yeah. And so uh, there's yet another problem. 
uh, not only our church and state in question, but the First Amendment of the Texas Constitution may bar the passage of voucher legislation, and I'm going to read it. It's very brief. Okay, here it goes. It shall be the duty of the legislature of this state to make suitable provisions for the support and maintenance of a system of public free schools for the gratuitous instruction of all the inhabitants of this state between the ages of six and 18 years, unquote. Now that is explicit and clear that there should be public free schools to be supported and maintained by the state <laughs> for the gratuitous, in other words, free instruction of yes. all the inhabitants of this state between six and 18 years. Okay, well, I think the whole, the, this just gets rid of the whole controversy here in Texas, but nobody seems to be paying attention. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and as, yeah, as I already said, the Supreme Court has set some parameters for voucher programs uh, generally for the entire country. But there are still untested issues, especially here in Texas. And here is cat on top of my paper. <laughs> Head above. Yes. Again. Uh, okay. Are you ready? I am. Okay. Here I go. As I said above, the U.S. Supreme Court has set some parameters for voucher programs, but there are still untested issues, especially in Texas, which has never had a voucher program. Most of the big voucher cases have, been, have revolved around whether they violate the First Amendment's Establishment Clause, which forbids the government from establishing a nat national religion. In Zelman versus Simmons-Harris, a landmark and narrowly decided 2002 case, the High Court upheld an Ohio tuition aid program as constitutional, finding that it offered a genuine choice among options, public and private, secular and religious. The ruling was a major victory for voucher advocates, said Paul Peterson, a professor of government at Harvard. And I'm quoting him, to improve the quality of the education, the state is giving low-income families the opportunity to send children to private school and they'll give them a voucher to do so. That's not supporting religion, it's supporting education, unquote. Okay, in 2020, the Supreme Court considered the legality of a tax credit scholarship program in Espinosa versus Montana Department of Revenue. In that case, the court found the state had to allow the funds to be used for religious schools because the First Amendment's free exercise clause protects religious observers against unequal treatment. Most recently, in 2021, the court went even further on Carson, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in Carson versus Macon by finding that a main uh, tuition assistance program that barred recipients from using the vouchers to attend religious schools was discriminatory. The state was required to include the schools 
in the program. That is the religious schools. Yeah. Heather Weaver, a staff attorney at the ACLU, which has represented voucher opponents, <clears throat> said the organization is monitoring the Senate bill in Texas since voucher programs are generally not subject to the same anti-discrimination statutes as public schools. Also, Maine is again in a legal fight after an amendment to state law to block voucher funding for schools that discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. The case is now at the district court level. So it is a national concern. Um, and then Weaver again, Heather Weaver of the, for the ACLU also said that states should not be required to fund discrimination, whether it's based on religious sentiment or some other, uh, some other sentiment. One example is a religious school that denies admission to a person with disabilities because it doesn't have the resources to provide accommodations. And back to Texas specifically, Paige Duggins-Clay of the Intercultural Development Research Association said her group is consistently, has consistently raised the issue, but to no avail at the Texas legislature. After schools were required to desegregate in the 1950s, many Southern states instituted voucher programs to allow white students to avoid integration. Texas policymakers have tried amendments that would ensure that anyone who receives vouchers under the system also be in, a, in compliance with federal anti-discrimination law. The legislators have flat out resisted this and opposed it. That is a grave concern for the ACLU and other organizations concerned about justice for all students. The unanswered question is whether the voucher programs would comply with the Texas's constitutional requirement that the state have an efficient system of public free schools, because the voucher proposal would divert student funding from public schools. Here, once again, are the words of the Texas Constitution, and I'll just read this quickly again. It shall be the duty of the legislature in this state to make suitable provisions for the support and maintenance of a system of public free schools for the gratuitous instruction of all the inhabitants of this state between the ages of six and 18 years. I don't think anything could be clearer. We will stand by anyway, helplessly to see which side wins in Texas which will inevitably influence similar decisions across the rest of the country. Now, I wrote this piece yesterday, and as I rose this morning to the news on Texas Public Radio, which is our branch of NPR, mm -hmm. I heard that Governor Abbott had announced yesterday that the Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan, had agreed to his proposal which now had increased the proposed funding per student from $8,000 a year to 10,400 in education savings accounts. All students in K through 12 
would be eligible. In addition, he agreed to add, and I'm quoting, billions more in funding to public schools, unquote, for special education, school safety, and teacher pay raises, and that any student could apply the money to any school needs, including public schools. Now, Dade Phelan, however, thanks the governor for expanding the call and looks forward to having more discussions on student funding, teacher pay, and other critical education issues with his house colleagues. And this is very far from a blanket acceptance of the governor's concessions. The 30-day special session will end next week and the House is having trouble getting enough members, both Republican and Democrat, together to make a quorum. No one was repaired for the governor to make such concessions, and Representative Ernest Bales, a Republican, thinks Abbott's announcement is just political theater. He represents legislators from rural districts who have joined Democrats in opposition to the voucher plan. In rural districts in Texas, no private schools are available. All are in the cities, and so vouchers would simply take funding away from the only schools available, the rural public schools. Well, it seems that there is no way final legislation can be passed before the end of the current special session. But Abbott has vowed to call the legislature back for another 30-day session where, according to the Texas Constitution, only matters proposed by the governor can be considered. Abbott and other proponents say parents who can't afford private schools should be given money to do so. They have characterized public schools as, get this, as dens of leftist indoctrination which carries no favor from opponents of vouchers for public schools. If the governor cannot bully his predominantly Republican legislature into passing his uh, voucher program in yet another special session, he has said he will, and I'm quoting him, he will wade into GOP primaries against lawmakers who don't get on board, unquote. And so there you have the situation in Texas, this governor who is intransigent and who is he is going to be damned if he can't uh, force this voucher program down the throats of, of all Texans. And he's, he's even threatening the careers of legislators if they don't agree, if they don't give in. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you've got to you've got to wonder if someone picks up enough enemies whether it will be his or her downfall and th this is the type of issue that yeah. you can create enemies on both sides uh yes. in the yeah. past abbott's in the past conversations that we've had most issues that he uh, takes a hard stance on he can count on his republican friends to back them up 100% because their mm -hmm. constituents will back them up 100%. This might be this might be a departure from that. Yes, it might be. Although uh, there is a huge number of MAGA uh, Republicans here yeah. uh, in Texas. 
I'm surrounded by them. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I think they, uh, all, although uh, the rural people are not, they, the rural people are MAGA people, but at the same time, they don't have access to any special uh, special schools of any kind. Uh, whether they're Catholics or not, uh, they simply uh, have access to public schools, and that's that. And so they want public schools to be able to teach their kids uh, something important and something useful, uh, which public schools are designed to do, although they may be falling down, uh, because, especially because of the teacher shortage here in Texas. So, uh, but anyway, they're not automatically on board with this particular issue, even though they are MAGA people. So um, there are two dozen Republican senators in the House who have joined with the Democrats, uh, which is a minority, um, but along with the Republican Republicans, two dozen, 24 more people added, um, it's, uh, it's probably pretty close to a tie. Yeah, see that's that's on you. That's the departure that that we don't usually hear from from Abbott moves. You know when you know I've been around politics quite a bit, and and the one question I like to uh, to ask people before they make a decision, a political decision, is what's the downside, and you got to yeah. weigh out what the downside is. And if somebody said to Greg Abbott, and again he's a despot, and and somebody he's a, a despot wannabe. And uh, and you know if his people are are courageous enough to say hey you know let's think about the downside here the downside is mm-hmm. tremendous uh, he yeah. could uh, he could lose people on other issues for other issues on this uh, people mm-hmm. that would generally go along uh, the question is will the public will the public turn on him and yeah. and when I say the republic I just mean the republican. Uh, public because he does not care about the Democrat. Clearly, does not care right. about the Democratic. Uh, I don't think many Democrats are voting for Greg Abbott. I mean, there That's are. For uh, sure. yeah, yeah, it's like Donald Trump. I I could just assure you that there are so few Democrats that would ever vote for for Donald Trump. And uh, if they uh, if if they they do, um, they're they're Democrats like Robert Kennedy Jr., who's you know a mm-hmm. Democrat in name only, probably yeah. you know just you know a Dino uh, or whatever. So, uh, it's it's, right. it's it's very few. So Greg Abbott has already lost every possible Dem that he can. What he can never lose is he can never lose part of his base uh, because then uh, that you know then he's going to be fighting for his life on certain issues. And uh, and that's that's what comes to mind when I it, when I hear what you said, which is by the way so well put together. I I thank you for this. This is uh, uh, very clear, concise, and you uh, you have a, a, a wonderful way of of, uh, of laying it out. And this is uh, this is something you know. I think some de- you know, and usually uh, when you lay out an issue like this, I say, well, he's not losing any any Republicans this time. He's lost. He's clearly lost two dozen Republicans on this this issue, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if he starts and threatening, that's, just, that's yeah. just in the House. Actually, the the uh, the Senate is so solidly Republican they'll probably go with him, no matter what. Yep. Uh, but the House is not. House it takes three to the, tango. It takes yeah. three to tango in in Texas, and uh, you yep. know it's a. Uh, 
there's two you know two houses so he can have the senate with him you know he can have 100% of the senate if you you know if if you'd like uh he needs uh, he needs the congress as well yeah exactly i mean all the legislature comes from the house right and it's just like the uh, the us uh, congress uh, the house proposes and the senate then votes on it um, might amend, amend amend it but will vote on it uh, either up or down, and the, but but the initiative comes from the House, and it's the same here. So if the House is not going to uh, uh, rubber stamp uh, Abbott's proposal, then uh, it, it's going to die. Yeah, amazing, and right. So the uh, uh, the other thing is if he's threatening the careers of and and threatening yes. you know the careers, that's something he could. Uh, you know, there's a downside there because some of his most loyal people uh, might turn around and say, whoa, 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 governor, no way. I mean, uh, you know, you do not do this. And and I always uh, I always use the line, uh, you know, with politicians that that if uh, uh, if if all my friends enemies became my enemies, I'd have no friends at all. So mm-hmm. if uh, if he thinks that, uh, you know, if he thinks that. Uh, that he could just start threatening people without some of their friends stepping up and saying, no way, Governor, I'm with you yeah. 100% on many things. This is not one of them. You cannot threaten blank. You cannot threaten her or him or whatever. This is uh, this is uh, n- not um, acceptable. And you know where he's getting this behavior from? He's he's just following Trump's lead on it. He's he's like a mini Trump, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. You know, and you know Trump threatens people all the time, and 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 has gotten away with it. And you know, maybe it's a new, you know, new breed of of politics. We should we should hope not, but it is <laughs> it is very much. By the way, I'm I'm starting to talk to many Republicans now mm-hmm. who are so fed up with Trump, and even though he you know would run away. Uh, right now with a uh, a Republican primary, I, I, I don't think and again, I only bring this up in 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 reference to to Abbott. I don't think there's yeah. any way that that uh, Donald Trump is getting elected, uh, uh, it, you know, nationally in a general election. I just, uh, right. you mm-hmm. know, people talk about, oh, it's 50 50 and all this. No, it, you know, you have to look at the key swing states. And, you know, if he loses a state like Georgia and he loses a state like Arizona, um, mm-hmm. it, it's no longer, uh, you know, the, the standard, let's say, Kerry, John Kerry, uh, George uh, W. Bush uh, race. And again, not not to get into this. We don't have enough time to get into all of that. But it used to be it used to be that uh, that you have to win two of these three states to become president. And one is Florida. One is Pennsylvania. One is Ohio. It's no mm-hmm. longer that simple for Trump because, uh, you know, he has lost, uh, you know, Georgia and he lost Arizona. And uh, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you have to start uh, finding other routes, um, you, you know. And by the way, uh, one would assume that Biden's going to win Pennsylvania and probably Ohio. And even if uh, even if Florida went uh, went Trump, I mean, it's it's a blowout, um, you know, there. Uh, so anyway, and I just say that in reference to. Greg Abbott, because I don't know the the lay of the land in in Texas, but uh, but when you start losing uh, sections of your people, maybe this is maybe this is good for for anti Abbott people that he's doing this. Maybe oh, if yeah. he pushes, mm-hmm. you give him enough rope, right. he'll he'll hang himself. Yes, 
Well, it certainly has been widely reported that uh, he has made a threat on his colleagues, actually, on his colleagues' careers, which I, I would think would be an absolute no-no um, for anybody. I mean, even even a would-be despot and dictator uh, should think twice before uh, attacking his his friends this way and uh, threatening their life livelihoods. I mean, oh. <laughs> he just must have forgotten all about uh, principle and uh, even expediency when he said that. So I would just say to to folks listening, uh, listening that are that are anti Abbott. Um, if I were you, I would cheer him on in his behavior, right? Because he's <laughs> it's going to lead it's going to lead to uh, to hell for him, and yes. uh, yeah. So it, this is this is not necessarily a, a negative thing. This is if you're anti Abbott, and and I'm not saying everybody is, but I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that are anti Greg Abbott. Um, if they are, they should be very very pleased that he's behaving this way. Right. And of course, he's spending billions and billions of dollars on uh, putting up razor wire and uh, buoys in the river and so on at the border. And uh, uh, just lately, uh, the Border Patrol, which is the federal uh, uh, gear there down there in that machine, um, lifted up, brought over a, uh, um, a forklift, I guess, and just lifted up the razor wire so that uh, a group of uh, moms and pops and kids could come in. Jeez. Uh, and uh, there wasn't there wasn't a, uh, a drug smuggler among them. Yeah, or a terrorist uh, among the group. Or a terrorist or anything like that. And so immediately uh, Abbott ha slapped a uh, lawsuit against the federal government for having uh, destroyed or damaged state property. His razor and, wire being the state property. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Uh, and uh, one of the state courts, which was, uh, of course, very right-wing, um, uh, upheld the state's side of that, that case. <laughs> And found against the, the uh, border patrol for having done that, uh, and so the things are really nasty uh, as far as the relations between this, um, the uh, uh, Lone Star project and uh, the actual legal proceedings proceedings um, to process these people at the border, which is very very much more difficult now because it's it's you know twenty times more people coming in than uh, than normally did uh, and uh, and it's not Biden's fault that they're doing that it's it's what's going on in Latin America that's doing it yeah amazing i it just it, it's the the most volatile uh, time period that i remember and i was too young oh, in the yeah. 60s to mm -hmm. uh, to witness all the uh, you know assassinations and everything there, but this yeah, is yeah the the burning of, of Detroit I guess yeah, it was yeah. yeah and all that watch oh, yes. watch riots and things that came yeah, after yeah yeah it's mm -hmm. uh, you know we are uh, we are in another crucial moment in our, our time period and look uh, you know uh, it, it's folks like uh, like Greg Abbott and by the way on the other side it's uh, it's uh, Talib and um, and you know who's the other Omar and you know the the people that are, that are extreme left 
Uh, they're mm-hmm. the equivalent to the Marjorie Taylor Greens, who I still am blown away that she is she has any voters <laughs> voting for her, but she wins her district. And how Marjorie Taylor Greene anyway, that's a that's a time for another uh, subject. That's a head scratcher for me how she is in any kind of leader position. I know, yeah, exactly. But amazing. Such a, such an uh, such a stupid. Um, woman. Yeah, she's unbelievable. I I can't believe, yeah. I can't believe that she's uh, you know she functions on a daily basis with uh, with her brain power. Yeah, I you know. know she's amazing. Yeah. Yes, I agree. It boggles the mind that she that she has made it all the way up there. <laughs> well, Doc, great job as always. And uh, and you know we'll uh, we'll be talking again uh, real soon. Thank you very much. Well, you bet. Yes, I hope I can. I keep saying this. I hope I get back on the uh, Monday to Monday schedule. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And to everybody there, everybody that we appreciate you listening, and uh, thank you very much. Uh, we know you have a lot of options, and this is uh, very. We're very appreciative that you you're using us as your options, uh, as one of your options, and uh, thank you for that. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on the Florence Weinberg Show.